Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, it is great to be with you tonight. Um, My name is Lizzie Wolfe. I'm the rector here at St. George's. And over the past couple of weeks, uh, in our Made for More sermon series, we have been looking at the beginning of Genesis and thinking about how we're made for God and how we're made for work. Tonight is about being made for rest. We're going to think about two main things. What is rest? and how to get it. But before we dive in, I want to spend just a few moments thinking about the situation, the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. The COVID pandemic has affected us all, but it's affected us differently. So I wonder what your experience of lockdown was. For some, it meant long, empty days. For me, life kind of went into overdrive. I had far more work than ever before, plus two children at home all the time. So rhythms and boundaries carefully built up over 20 years of ministry disappeared. The peaceful daily commute, the refreshing weekly swim, the long-awaited holiday, all cancelled by COVID. Busyness took over. In hindsight, what was interesting, by which I really mean worrying, was how long it took me to notice the problem and how hard it was to get things back on track. Now, of course, a certain level of activity is good. We are, as we saw last week, made for work. And there's even a time and a place for hurry in a genuine emergency. But our culture holds up busyness as a desirable thing, a mark of success. Many people who had a quiet lockdown are making up for it now, not just reconnecting with significant people, but with a busy whirl of social activity. And I've had some very interesting conversations recently with 1830 folk about life feeling frantic and frazzled. Is this busyness actually how we want to live? Is it the best way to live? In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says, all my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. And I think I would have to agree. It is really hard to love others well when we're in a hurry. Link this busyness with the digital distraction that Josh talked about a couple of weeks ago, and we have a real problem. Apparently, the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times per day. We live in a state of continuous partial attention that makes it very hard to switch off. Now, it's into this reality that Jesus speaks the words from our reading tonight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
So what is this rest that Jesus offers? Well, the first thing is that rest is something we need. At the beginning of Genesis, the creation of human beings is described in two ways. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I was really struck by John Mark Homer's perspective on this. Being made in the image of God speaks of our wonderful God-given potential. Being made from dust reminds us of our limits. Image and dust, potential and limitations. If you went to a traditional Ash Wednesday service this week, you may have received ashes on your forehead, given with these words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. The ashes on the forehead are a symbol of repentance, but they're also a symbol of our limits and ultimately our mortality. The idea that we can do it all is a myth. We are created, finite beings. This means that we can only be in one place at a time and we can't do everything. To flourish, we need to respect our limits, including our need for rest. So that's the first thing about rest. It's something we need. Secondly... Rest is a beautiful gift from God. Back at the beginning of Genesis, the miracle of creation is described as a series of seven days. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he was doing, so he rested. He blesses the rest day, making it holy. This is the background to the biblical principle of Sabbath, when one day in seven, or sometimes one year in seven, is set aside for rest. By the time of Jesus, the Jewish law of Sabbath observance had become a complicated, rigid system. Jesus challenges that, saying the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying, God made it for us. It's not meant to be a burden, but a blessing. Rest is a beautiful gift from God. Rest also appears in the Bible as a series of three connected rests. The first rest is God's original rest on the seventh day of creation. The second rest is the promised land. Moses leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt in the Exodus. They wander in the desert for 40 years. And then with the Israelites on the brink of finally entering into the promised land, we read in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord God will give you rest by giving you this land. Now the rest found in the promised land was a great blessing to the people of God. 
But the book of Hebrews tells us it points forward to a third rest, which will be even better. This third rest is found in the kingdom of God. When everything is restored and renewed, it brings with it a sense of fulfillment, well-being and spaciousness. This kingdom rest is the gift that Jesus is offering us in Matthew chapter 11, when he says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So the Bible tells us two key things about rest. Firstly, it's something we need because we're created with limits. And secondly, rest is a beautiful gift from God. The next question is how do we get it? And the answer in these verses is come to Jesus. Now, there are all sorts of people who offer advice on how to rest. But Jesus says, come to me. If you're weary or burdened, he is the one who offers true rest for our souls. Perhaps you've never come to Jesus before. Tonight is a really good time to start. Perhaps you know Jesus well, but you need to come to him tonight with a specific burden, something that's weighing you down. You need to trust him with it and let him help you. Or perhaps you're thinking, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really getting it. I follow Jesus, but I'm still busy, frazzled and distracted. This is where we need to read on, because Jesus tells us what to do. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does that mean? A yoke harnesses oxen so they can pull a cart or plough a field. But at the time of Jesus, it was also a common idiom for a rabbi's way of reading the Torah, the Hebrew scriptures, and for his teaching on how to live. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he is inviting us to live his way. That's how we find rest. Live Jesus's way. Now, people have been trying to live Jesus' way for about 2,000 years, and there are some ancient practices that can help us to do it. Often, they're called spiritual disciplines, sometimes a rule of life. These are practical things that can help us to live the Jesus way. We mustn't become legalistic about them as if they're important in and of themselves. But when we treat them as stepping stones helping us to live life to the full with Jesus, they can be incredibly helpful. Uh, John Mark Comer, in his book, identified four particular spiritual disciplines that are especially helpful when it comes to finding rest. So I'm going to talk about each one of them briefly now. 
But if this is something that you know you need to pay attention to, I would really encourage you to read his book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, or you can listen to his podcast. So the first spiritual discipline is silence and solitude. If you read the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus often withdraws to a quiet place to pray. In Luke's Gospel, it happens nine times. And throughout church history, people have followed this practice of finding regular times for silence and solitude, which is really just a fancy way of saying alone time with you and God. The key to this is finding something that works for you. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Clergy, it seems, are expected to enjoy silent retreats in monasteries. Now, I have tried this, actually, a couple of times. I hated it. Now, I'm not knocking it. I know that it is life-giving for many people. It just didn't work for me. I'm much better at silence if I'm moving, so I tend to go for a walk on my own, just me and God. But here's a challenge. Listening to a Christian podcast or reading a short devotional, they are good things to do, but they are not a substitute for your own time with God. In silence and solitude, we need to bring ourselves, our real selves, to God. Our thoughts, our issues, our joys, our worries. And we need to do this regularly, ideally daily. Maybe read a passage from the Bible, or simply just be with God in quiet. So that's the first spiritual discipline that we're looking at, silence and solitude. The second one is Sabbath. Now, we've already mentioned Sabbath tonight. It's a day blessed by God to be holy, and it's built into the rhythm of creation. But how do we actually do Sabbath well? It's not about having a day off work and filling it with life admin and socializing. And it's also not about being so exhausted that we just crash out in front of Netflix. Ask yourself, what could I do that would fill my soul with joy? Is that a question that you ask yourself often? What could I do that would fill my soul with joy? What makes me feel at peace? Why not make a radical plan for Sabbath? Maybe for you, it's a tech-free day. Maybe it's a long walk. Maybe it's cooking and chatting with a friend. You'll probably need to practice to find out what works well for you. And it will probably shift through different seasons of your life. There's some setup time involved in doing Sabbath well. But it's worth it. Third spiritual discipline is simplicity. Jesus talked a lot about money and possessions. 
For example, in Luke chapter 12, he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now our culture says exactly the opposite. It tells us happiness is found in having more stuff, or even that our identity is found in the things we own. Now, I understand that for some people, it's a real struggle to make ends meet right now, especially with rising energy prices. But for others, choosing to live more simply might be a helpful spiritual discipline. Simplicity doesn't mean that we can't enjoy nice things, but it does mean that we take a stand against our consumerist culture. It means cultivating our appreciation for creation and for simple pleasures. And it means asking ourselves some hard questions before we buy more things. Questions like, do I need this? Is it within my budget? By buying this, am I oppressing the poor or harming the earth? Can I share this? So that's simplicity, the third of our spiritual disciplines. The fourth one, the last one that we're going to look at tonight, uh, is called slowing. And this spiritual discipline basically means that we choose deliberately to do something that will slow us down. Now, you can really make this one up. It can be anything. You could choose to always drive below the speed limit. Choose the longest queue in the supermarket. Don't check your phone until after your morning quiet time. Walk slower. Buy a recipe book and cook from scratch. You kind of get the idea, I'm sure. And I think that Lent can be a good time to try something like this out. Uh, I was inspired by Josh's sermon a couple of weeks ago. So for Lent uh, this year, I have decided to not take my phone upstairs. I know, it's actually surprisingly difficult. Uh, but Todd, do we have Todd in the room? Because Todd was also inspired by the same sermon, and he's being way more radical. <laughs> Let's uh, get you a microphone. Now, you heard the same sermon from Josh, but you were even more radical, weren't you? So tell us what you are doing for Lent. I've given my phone to Josh, so it's in the safe back there. It's been there for two weeks. I was going to take it back after one week and then decided to give it back for Lent when we were speaking about it last Sunday. So you've given up your phone. It's gone. For Lent. Yes. And, um, and, and yet, you're still here. We can still get hold of you. You're like a real person and uh, everything. You can email it's me. amazing. Yeah, I, can, I can take an email and I can use a couple of websites to communicate, but I don't have the phone in my pocket at Brilliant. all. And it's been two weeks now, so how, how's it been? It's been great. It's the new normal. Um, I did it when you were talking about silence and solitude. You said that you felt frazzled and it was hard to connect, mm. right? That was how I felt. It, it was like I wasn't listening because if you're on your phone while someone's speaking, you're not, you might as well have your fingers in your ears. You'll look up and you go, what? Right? And it's the same thing. You don't know if God's trying to speak to you if you're looking at your phone every opportunity you get to rest. If you stop and be silent or you stop and read, 
you just have a coffee and focus on the coffee instead of focusing on your phone, you will listen. And that's how, that's how I found that I started listening. Fantastic. So you're excited about the rest of Lent? Yeah, I can't wait. It's been really good. <laughs> I've learned, you know, you can get somewhere without a sat-nav. People used to do it all the time. I had, to write a, I had to write a list of directions and hold it on the steering wheel like that. And I found all these roads. All the roads have names. <laughs> No, I thought they were all just called left or right. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Let's Thank give Todd a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. So um, I'm going to recap what we've been saying. We've been thinking about what is rest. Rest is something that we need and rest is a beautiful gift from God. And then we've been thinking about how we get rest. How do we get more rest? And Jesus says to us, come to me. We need to come to Jesus and we need to live his way. Now that's one of those things that it's easy to say. And so we've been looking at some spiritual disciplines that can actually help us to put that into practice. How do we live Jesus's way? Uh, well, four spiritual disciplines that might help, silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing. You might want to be picking one and trying it out. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.